Our first text is from the Old Testament and the prophet Zephaniah. It also serves as our sermon text for the evening. From Zephaniah in the third chapter. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies, the king of Israel. The Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this evening from the letter to the Philippians in the fourth chapter. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as you are able for our gospel reading this evening from Luke's gospel in the seventh chapter. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? In that hour, he, Jesus, healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold. Those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's court. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is the gospel of our Lord. Mercy and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for bringing us into this place where you promise to be for us by your word, through your sacraments. And as you come into this place, you draw us near to you. We pray, Lord, that you would work by your spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and ever open our hearts and ears to hear of your love for us in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. We continue on through our Advent series as we have been looking at these Old Testament readings as a sort of Advent calendar. Each week opening up a little window with a little insight on what is coming at the end of Advent. And we have seen a little picture of forethought of Christ as a, a prophet. We've seen one as a king. Except we went king and then prophet. That's fine. And today, as we hear in the words of Zephaniah, I'm sure you all clearly saw through those words that as we have already opened up a window on king and prophet, the next one is obviously priest because we look at Christ as our priest. But the words didn't really sound that way, did they? It's more like Jesus as warrior, one who's fighting, one who is dispelling enemies and fighting and singing and it didn't sound really like a priest at all but that little trilogy of words works really well for christ right he's a prophet priest and king how does this work let's think first off a little bit into the time when zephaniah was writing his words but first he was writing uh, under the kingship of a guy named Josiah. And Josiah had just followed up the reign of Manasseh. And Manasseh's reign was a train wreck. I mean, everything was going off of the rails for the people. Sin everywhere, religious practices gone, God's word not being heard whatsoever. And sin shown the identity of the people more than God's word did. So as... Zephaniah is writing under this kingship of Josiah. There are reforms going on that Josiah is enacting as God's word is being brought more to the forefront as they're starting to hear these words again and they're starting to see that they need somebody to do something because the word is important and the word is pointing out things about their lives that they're realizing are wrong. Yet they're not quite sure how to handle it. They're not quite sure what to do about it. Because they realize that all these things that they've been doing, they've realized they've been putting other things in the place of God's Word. Now that's not something that's really all that different from the time of Adam and Eve to the time of the people of Israel to our day. And one of the biggest things we struggle with is what do we put in God's place? I mean, when sin comes in and we start looking at these things to trust in and hold on to and believe in, we start to put things in a place where God should be. And so at that point, we've separated ourselves from God. We've kicked Him out of our presence. That sin that we bring in to put in his place has put him off of that position. And now all of a sudden we have pushed him out of our presence and then wonder where God is at. Wonder why he's gone. And then get lost in the fact that there's nothing that our hands or hearts or minds or anything can really 
do about it other than realize the wrong that's been done and sit and wonder what will become of us if somebody doesn't do something about it. Because the ultimate enemy in the midst of all of that relationship is sin. Now it rears its head in different ways through different eras and different times, but really when it comes down to not listening to God's word and then finally hearing it and seeing that what we've been doing for so many years on our own without God there, we realize that what we've been doing is wrong. We go back to the first commandment. Remember that we're supposed to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And when we realize that we've been fearing, loving, and trusting in anything but God, we're kind of lost. We need somebody to fight for us. And that's kind of where that warrior piece comes in. When you hear of the Lord and Zephaniah's words coming in and defeating the enemies and defeating our enemies and the Lord is coming into our presence. Well, how can the Lord come into the presence of a sinful people without doing something about the sin, without taking that piece out of the equation so that he can be back together in that originally created relationship between creator and creation? Something had to be done. Something had to fight for creation. Someone had to do something about it. And that's the Lord. Those are the words that you hear in Zephaniah. As the Lord fights for his people, as the Lord is the one who takes away the sin, well, how do you do that? Well, you need a priest. So I guess we have a bit of a warrior priest. A priest that fights on our behalf. Because remember, the priest's job was to stand in between the people and God. To offer the sacrifices for the people so that sins would be forgiven, so that the relationship would be made right again. And as they would offer up that sacrifice in Zephaniah's day, there would have two rams there on the Day of Atonement, and one would be slaughtered. Blood would be shed. A life for a life. And the other, all the sins would be placed upon it. And it would be sent out of the camp, outside of the walls, out into the wilderness somewhere so that sins would be removed and life would be taken from one thing and given to another. So that the people would have life and forgiveness. Sin accounted for and done away with by God's hand alone and a priest that stood there in the middle in God's place as he worked through that priest on behalf of the people. As we look forward through this little window of Advent, into the time of Christ. We see Christ as a warrior priest as well. A priest who is not only the priest, but also the sacrifice. The one that had come to be in between the people and God, and then also to be the sacrifice that would shed his own blood so that you would have life. And he would also take your sins upon him and bury them away so that they would not be accounted as yours anymore. They would be done away with and gone. That enemy of sin defeated. Death defeated. Satan defeated. By the one and only set of hands that could do it. By the one and only priest that could do it. By the one and only warrior that could take that battle on in your place as he fought for you. He's even beyond a warrior and a priest also a singer. I don't know if you heard those words in Zephaniah's thing. As he resounds in singing voice and rejoices 
and exults over his creation, as he would sing over you, as he would lift up his voice in joyous acclamation of his creation that he has fought for and won, as he has gathered together as his own, and he would sing. Can you imagine the beautiful song that the Lord sings for you? There's this beautiful moment in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Maybe it's been a while since you've read it. Maybe it hasn't been all that long. But in The Magician's Nephew, one of the first pieces of the story of the series, uh, the two kids end up in that wonderful land away from London, and it hasn't quite become Narnia yet, but it's this mysterious kind of magical world. And in the midst of standing there, they start to hear these low tones being sung, this melodic rhythm of a voice bringing about sounds that they had never really heard before. And what they started to realize was as these tones are going out and through the air and reverberating around the creation, things are happening. Land is coming up out of nothingness. And then as the tones change and go higher and beautiful birds and vegetation and different things are coming to life and animals are coming out of places where they weren't before. And then off in the distance, they see this lion in the stories, Aslan, the God figure of the whole story, singing creation into existence. Such a beautiful picture of how God sings over you. As he sent his son Christ to die on your behalf as a sacrifice, to rise again, to defeat death and everything else so that the only thing that can be handed over to you is life and forgiveness and grace, and then God rejoices over you through His Son, singing the praises of His creation, laughing and enjoying every bit of who you are as He has made you, as He gives you life and looks forward even to the day when Christ comes back and He gathers all of His people together and says, come, enjoy the feast of singing and praise and everything that we will enjoy together with our Creator into eternity. All because He fought for you, He died for you, He rose for you, and He loves you. And now He sings the songs of joy over you as you are loved and forgiven in Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love and the forgiveness which you have shown us in Christ and that you rejoice over us is mind-boggling. We don't really understand it now, yet you have promised that your joy continues into eternity and that you will gather us together into your presence as you come into ours and that everything between us has been removed that would separate us and you have made us yours. We thank you now at this time as you come into our presence once again through the bread and the wine and you give us of your gift in communion and you strengthen our faith and hand over forgiveness through Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.